You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode of the Down the Pub podcast is brought to you in association with Bootbox Vancouver, suppliers of boot socks. No movement in the boot means no blisters on the foot. Head to bootboxvancouver.com to get yours today. Our Wanderers Games reviews are brought to you thanks to the good folks at Humble Pie. Authentic butterflake pastry filled with local cuts, quality cheese and rich gravy to fill you up on the go or in the comfort of your own home. Head to humblepiekitchen.ca to get yours today. Pies and points, the perfect match. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, we are joined by the Wanderers goalkeeping coach, John Michael Williams and Marvin Okello, who amongst many roles is the inclusion officer for the uh, Halifax Wanderers. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hey, hey, thanks for having thanks. me, guys. Yes, thanks for having us, Anthony. So we did an, an episode shortly after uh, the murder of George Floyd in June, I think it was. Um, so we did promise we'd do a follow-up show after a few months to see where we are with things. And to be honest, um, we haven't, nothing seemed to change, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. We saw the horrific shooting of uh, Jacob Blake in the, the US by police officers. Um, just a quick question for you, Marvin. Like, what, 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 what was your feelings when you saw another black person just being shot seven times in the back in the States? Honestly, my first first two words that just came into mind right away is just not again you know like it's just so soon after the the last thing we were talking about with George Floyd it's just it's so disheartening that you know you take two steps forward and you know four steps back like it seems to always be the case especially in the states that it's just any progress they made is like immediately wiped with just other people going the completely opposite direction so it was, it was really disheartening, you know, the nature of it all being recorded. They, they could tell they were being recorded and to still feel so empowered that they can do what they want, knowing that, you know, the, <laughs> the system will protect them. So it was, it was a bit disheartening. It was, it was a very striking image of, like, the guy trying to get into his car and from him pulling back his shirt to him starting to shoot. Like, there was no time whatsoever in, in there was like, there's no way to try and get him down to the ground or anything like that. It was just straight away, let's pump him with seven bullets. So... To hear what Jan's reaction was when he saw the video. Well, I wasn't surprised, to be honest. Um, this problem that they're having in the world right now, it's, it's, it's deep-rooted. You know, it's not going to be easily solved. It's sad to say that I was not surprised. Um, and again, even with the with the George Floyd incident, the good thing about it, or one of the good things about it was that it was recorded. Um, the invention of social media, the invention of the smartphone, um, it's easy now to, to, to record these, these acts and um, for the information to be passed on uh, without any sort of manipulation to, 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 to what we've seen. You know, we've seen it as, as, as plain as, it, as if we were there. So um, I think it's just a situation now where even with the latest one with, with the Blake incident, uh, we have the, the, the footage and we can see for ourselves and make our own judgment and assessments. The unfortunate thing is that um, there are loads of situations going on in the United States and other parts of the world where uh, 
we're not fortunate enough to, or, 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 or we, 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 we haven't been able to see the footage, you know, so we have to go off of, off of uh, what was said, you know, and, and for me, that's the disappointing thing. So it's a good, it's a good that, uh, that the people have the opportunity to, to get to see it and to make the assessment, but it's so unfortunate for, for, for hundreds, maybe thousands of different incidents that we don't get to see. And it, it, it begs the question, in the past, in the 90s, in the 80s, uh, even in the early 2000s, when loads of black people would have cried out for, for social injustice, cried out for police brutality, and police officers uh, would stick together and say, you know, it's not like that, and it actually went down in a different way. It begs the question, were they telling the truth or not? You know, and, and, and that's the frustrating part for me. These cries have been happening for a long time, even when I was a kid um, growing up, seeing the uh, incidents in the United States, you know, um, the rap music, the culture, people singing songs that are, are, are back in the day we would deem it as disrespectful towards the police. And now it begs the question, uh, you know, were they really coming from a, a genuine place? And the answer is there for all to see, because it's not, as I said before, it's not an issue that, that, that has just started and it's actually deep-rooted. So um, we have a long way to go to, to eradicate this problem, but uh, sad to say for, for those people who would have been in this situation in the past before, it's very disheartening. I hear you, and, and, I, and I agree. You know, it, the smartphones thing that you mentioned, I think, is really important, you know, because we talked about that last time in terms of how are we going to try to continue to uh, bring this, all this negativity to light and how are we going to try to eradicate it. And it's good. Honestly, as, as sad and hard as it is to watch some of those videos, I'm glad that those people took power and were able to, you know, realize that this is something that needs to be sh to be shown to the world because it seems that's the only way lately that results happen, you know, from, from that video going, video going viral to, you know, even after he was, uh, he was in, put in the hospital. I don't know if you heard that he was handcuffed to the, to the hospital yeah. bed, like, you know, so it, it, and then again, that became viral that people were sharing that. And then eventually he wasn't handcuffed to the bed. So like the main thing I'm happy to see is that people are taking out their phones. They are recording it. They are making these people realize, you know, you're the elephant in the room. This is, this is the thing that we need to stop. And, you know, as, as hard as it was last time we went through it, I, I had my own personal, um, you know, I had to space from it, get off social media and all that. But since doing that, I realized how important it is to continue to talk about these things, to continue to share these videos, to continue to just throw it in everyone's face until, you know, honestly, some of these neutral people get to a point where they're tired of it and they start acting. And, you know, it's the majority of people who realize that racism is just completely old way of thinking and negative way and not going to sustainable, not going to be sustainable going forward. I, I think that's where uh, like a lot of it has to come from um, is that it's, it's people in the suburbs who live kind of cushy lives who are immune to all this kind of stuff because they don't get to see it, right? It's not in their neighborhood. It's in somebody else's neighborhood. And we're seeing the video and seeing what's happening. There's no way for them to actually understand why people are out protesting or why people are angry. It's, it, it really kind of brings it home to them exactly how somebody in their society is being treated so 
differently to what their experience is. Um, so it's a, it is a big thing that these, this stuff gets shared around. But I mean, it, it just beggars belief that when you look at, as you said, all the cell phones and social media around, that it, it seems like the police still don't care <laughs> because they still do it. You know, even though all this stuff is around, it's like it's either you have irrational people who just don't give a shit and just will go ahead and do it anyway. Or like, they're just so enraged that, that they, they're just blind to the fact that everything's around them. It's, it's such a bizarre situation. It is. I mean, it comes down to things we were taught when we were children at the end of the day, you know, from the time you're like seven, eight, nine, you start to understand more than just, you know, words at a face value. You start to understand, you know, punishment behind actions. You start to understand that, there's a reaction for every action. So parents start to teach you, you don't want to get into bad habits. You know, we all reach that point in our life where parents teach you, make your bed in the morning, you know, before you leave your room, clean it. Like, so that it becomes the norm for you going forward in your life. You don't even have to think about it. It's automatic. And a lot of these things um, are really tough for the police to change because they've developed these bad habits and we've all learned it's, it's easy to get the bad habits. It's not so easy to drop them. You know, the smoking, the drinking, the being racist, honestly, it's not just something you can just drop as quickly as you picked up. So it is like Jan said, in a lot of ways, it's, it's unsurprising that it did happen again so soon. It's just, for me, it was, it was really disheartening the level of, um, <laughs> not caring that that policeman showed, you know, he could clearly see that there was somebody recording. There was family members around. There was children around. But he was just the so... Children in the car. Children in the car. You know, like, but he was so uncaring of it all. He was so sure of himself and his action. You could tell that there was not a moment where he, like, even hesitated. You know, like, and that that is where the real change needs to happen in the police force is that they start actually going through the protocols because... I was listening to one Trevor Noah um, discussion on the daily show where he was talking about, you know, what happens when you see animals in, in North America, U S Canada, wherever, you know, an animal is out in the streets, you know, it's a deer, it's whatever. How often do you see those animals just shot and put down an animal? They, they come with nets. They come with tranquilizers. <laughs> they come with, there's so many middle ground options for animals <laughs> that it's 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 honestly it's disgusting to think about like animals are treated better than black people even in the city <laughs> you know like an animal can roam through into someone's backyard and they're not going to shoot it no 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 spca will come after us that's a you that's know a, that's a crazy it, talk it, isn't it? it's crazy crazy but for a black man they, they go from zero to a hundred quicker than you can blink from being in a public on the street, not even in the, you know, in their home where they're like, oh, I don't know if you had guns, but in public with tons of people around, children around, goes from, hey, talking to him to shooting seven times in the back. We're not even being treated as equal as animals, let alone. The question is, the, the question is, Marv, are we that dangerous? That's a, that's a great question. <laughs> is the question is, are we, are we that powerful? And, and for me, when I ask the question, are we that dangerous? I think anybody put in a situation where they need to defend themselves regardless of, of color, they will defend themselves. 
anybody placed in a life and death situation. Anybody or any itself. animal or any animal backed into a corner. Anything. Defend itself. Yeah. When you ask the question, if we are so powerful, I believe we are. Because to deal with a situation like this for not five years, not 10 years, not 100 years, for over 400 years, that to me takes a different type of character, a different type of mentality, a different type of, you know, a different type of strength. And again, as I said before, it is disheartening that in 2020, after you would have seen our worldwide protests towards an action of a police officer kneeling on a guy's neck for two or three months afterwards, for you to be a police officer in this time, for you to resort immediately to, 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 to draw in your firearm and shoot not one, not two, but seven shots into the back of a person. Yeah. Who's black? That is. There's intent, intent to kill. That, yeah. that is disheartening. Mm -hmm. And again, until, and, and you, you said it before, until people who are not affected by this decide to take some sort of action, the problem will never be solved. It will not. We will continue to make tiny steps towards a resolution and to, to, towards a solution, but the problem will not be solved. I'll tell you what, think about this. And I'll I, 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 I task both of you all to, to try something. All of us are on social media. Mm. I just noticed this randomly, right? Um, on social media, the numbers, they don't lie. I have friends, I have white friends on social media who would have supported the cause. And I remember one day, um, there was a protest, a worldwide protest with Blackout Tuesday. And my white, my, my white friends would have posted the blackout, the picture of the, the, the black screen. And when I look at the likes under these pictures, 10, 20, 30, and every other picture they have on their social media have more than two or 300 likes. Yeah, yeah. The numbers don't lie. Yeah. You can take that and, 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 and take anything you want to take out of that. But for me, the numbers don't lie. Yeah, just a they simple do. press of a like. Just exactly. If I'm a police officer, scroll past. If I'm a police officer, and I go into a situation where I have the the consciousness, the mental consciousness, to immediately draw for my firearm in a time like this in 2020 towards a black person. Then when I go home, I am not facing any sort of negative criticism from the people that I encounter. Mm -hmm. Because if that was the case, then I would not drum a firearm in the first place. Exactly. And I firmly believe that. So it's not just disbanding the police. It's not just uh, reforming the police service. But they have to do things to put things in place for, for, for people in, in, who resort to certain things like this people who are, as I said before, who are not adversely affected by this, to start to think differently about the opposite race or, 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 or towards the black race. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's, it's three things. It's, it, it's the people that you hire to be policemen, 
And there's subcategories under that within education, within training, within mental health assessments, all that fall under the person. That's, that's one. Two is the weapons that you choose to give to, to number one. So be it guns, be it um, tasers, be it batons. Do, does every single person need to have a gun? I think that is a question that needs to be asked. Or is there only a one person in a group of four who has a gun? They send a group of four, three of them have batons, one has a gun. Like there's so many other ways than four guys with guns showing up to every situation, <laughs> which just leads to everything that we know that has happened and will continue to happen. You know, so that's, that's number two. So person, <laughs> weapon, and then the third is after you get those two things right, the situational training right? In this situation, what should we do? In this situation, what should we do? And always make comparisons to things like, like we already talked about. If a bear, if someone calls us in the backyard, there's a bear in the backyard, what do we do? Right? Because hopefully everyone in that room should know that you first, you get a tranquilizer, you get a net, right? And we're just, I use the bear analogy because nobody is racist towards a bear, right? Everyone just sees a bear as a bear. So that's why I feel it's necessary to make these analogies so people get it, like treat them all equal, regardless of race, whatever, right? Situational training, if there's a bear in the backyard, there's a dangerous quote unquote black man in a backyard situation in a cookout, whatever, or in this situation with, uh, with Jacob Blake in the front yard in public, like, it's, it's not a level five threat. You don't need to come out with your guns drawn or come out with your taser. Maybe there's three of you that go, you know, but they need to have more situational training because how many times have we looked at these and they're like, why did they even have a gun in that situation? You know, the, the Zimmerman situations, the, were they even going into knowing that it's a child or a teen or one person by themselves, right? Like, why is it so often that there's just groups of policemen going in and making the situation worse than it needs to be. Marv, I understand the situational training, but at the end of the day, the individual or the individuals have to choose to act that way. Oh, I agree. That's why I started with one. One has to be choosing the right people. Yeah. And I believe this was a choice. It was Mm -hmm. the choice of the police officers. Nobody forced them to draw their weapons. Mm Mm-hmm. It was but, the choice of the police officers, you I know? Agree. I agree. And, 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 and for me, again, I have to keep using this word disheartening. Not surprised, completely not surprised. And again, in two months, in three months, in four months, something will happen again. And we'll go back to, to, to this situation and this topic. And it's 2020, people need to change, we need to... But as I said before, until people who are not adversely affected decide to act, we will continue. We will continue in this path because the cries are getting louder and louder, but the actions continue to be the same. Yeah. So what happens is when you have two, two sides like that, you end up with a 17-year-old crossing state lines with an AR-15 to go protect oh. businesses. And this, uh, this, this oh. is also a problem that... I think a lot of the, the fear that the police have too comes from the fact is that everybody's armed in the States pretty much. Um, yeah, and yeah. until they kind of reform that too, it's always going to have that fear that I'm going to go to work today and die. Like, I mean, back in Ireland, the police don't have, that they have uh, batons and stuff like that, but they don't have guns. Yeah. The same in the UK, like they don't go around. And it's because 
there's, it's literally everywhere else in the world. <laughs> and, and it's like, but, it, but the majority of the time is, is because the people they're coming up against don't have guns and there's, it's very hard to get weapons. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas obviously in the States, like you can walk into Walmart and buy a gun. So I, I think there's that fear, that aspect of it is that everybody's out to get you. And then it's also when you're, as you said, Marvin, when you're brought up to believe that like black people are bad people, you mix those two together and that's where you have a powder keg. And until that changes where like a, a, a parent thinks it's okay to give their child a fully loaded AR-15 to cross state lines to help protect other people's property, this isn't going to change. And this, and this is the problem. And nobody in the States has the guts because they don't want to go up against the gun lobbies. And it, it's and that's why the country is so divided right now. You know, it's uh, like, it's it's nuts. You know, even like you said, like until we get to a point where <laughs> the the people who are so obviously racist aren't being hired in these positions, because it's 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 a battle right from the get go. You put these people who have this mentality, you arm them, and then you throw them into the situations that you throw them into. You know what's going to happen. Like that's why we really need to start with. The people who, who, who are these people we're hiring and trusting to be the protectors of everybody? Like, how do we make it so the police are the SPCA trying to protect all animals, regardless of breed, the way people, the SPCA is, you know, people fear doing anything to hand animals in North America because they come down with the full force of the law with SPCA. You, you do anything to a dog, cat, deer, whatever people of, all colors, genders, ages hate you. When does it get to that point where, you know, the policemen are look, looking at everyone the same, regardless of color and our energy? I think it says it all when you kind of have to keep reverting back to that you just want to be treated the same as an animal. You know what I mean? Like that's, 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 it's crazy. Like, that says it all in a nutshell. Like in Ireland, um, we've been knocking seven shits out of each other for 800 years and Catholics and Protestants hate each other and a Catholic couldn't get a job in the North and couldn't be a police officer. So we were, t- we were brought up to fear Protestants and they have a hatred for them the same way Catholics were, were, were seen as bad people by the Protestants. And in the last yeah. 30, 40 years, we've turned it around somewhat. And a lot of that comes from the fact with the police force that a certain percentage of the police has to be Catholic. Do you think that's yeah. something that they should that, that they should have something in the police? Definitely, room? definitely. I mean, police are supposed to represent their community. If you have a black community and all your police is white, how how is that going to work? You're creating a situation right from the get-go, right? Like, same with the Hispanic. If you have a Hispanic community, you want to have a Hispanic cop who's going to understand the situations walking into them because, A, he knows the language. B, he knows the history. So, therefore, he's going to make a, a good decision, right? So, I think that's a great point, Anthony, honestly. Like, until you have the right again people in those positions based on their history based on their background based on their um even their mentality because a lot of this is mentality like you said jan you know he meant to do that that was in his head that was what he wanted to do that is what he did to jacob blake right and until we get to a point where that's why i really think that everyone keeps saying education right the police needs to be more educated before they even get the gun. There should be a four-year degree, the policeman. I, I, I really don't understand why policemen are usually um, 
you know, people who were working as bartend bartenders um, or barman, I should say, like the door managers or people who were in security, people who are in like generally not that much education, you know, and then we're also treating them and giving them guns to go make the ultimate decision to end or not end someone's life like that, that right off the bat really bothers me that we don't think value educating our policemen more and that we let them get away with murder, literally. It's true. Um, so just to kind of swing it back to, to sport a little bit, obviously, uh, last Wednesday, the, the news started to filter through about um, the NBA boycotting and the, the, the books were at the forefront of that. What did you think, Jan, when you heard the news coming through that they were going to boycott the, uh, the playoffs? Ooh, that was a big step. Um, I know they would have, not the NBA, but some sports in the, in the US would have tried in the past. Um, but to completely boycott matches, I think, especially in a time where uh, the economy is not doing too well because of the coronavirus. I think um, that was a big show of solidarity from, from the players. Um, again, a lot of the players in, 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 in most major sports in the US, you know, are players of African descent. So um, I know they're feeling it a lot when they see certain situations happening in the US. In particular, they feel it, you know. And for them to, to, to make that step, um, I really hope, you know, people in the U.S. really stand and, and, and take notice of it. And, and they really, it really helps them to, to, to try to change, you know, because change is the most important thing. Yeah, so change is the most important thing, you know. And um, I think they, they probably would have decided to, to make this step because, uh, again, Oh, so with NBA players, um, it's, it's really, I was really happy to see that it came out of a result of a conversation that LeBron and those guys decided to have with, with uh, Obama. I don't know if you, if you heard oh, that, but they reached out. Yeah, right yeah, they called him and they, um, I think it was LeBron and Chris Paul, who's the leader of the Players uh, Association. He, they called Obama and they were like, listen, like, this is what's happening. Um, should we boycott? Is it, does it make sense? Is it the right move? Um, and Obama, you know, gave him his opinion. He said, yeah, it's, it's good to boycott, but also at the same time, don't stop playing altogether because then you're losing your platform that you have to continue to wear his awareness. You know, he said the shirts are really good, everything you guys are doing, but don't stop altogether, which is why they continue to play. Um, but I thought that was really, really great because <laughs> these guys aren't the most educated on the topic. They, they try to, you know, educate themselves as much as possible in their free time, but they're not, a lot of them aren't, you know, university graduates. A lot of them aren't, you know, that intellectual, but it's great to see that even they care enough to, to, to reach out to somebody who is knowledgeable on the topic and make sure that they're making the right decisions, you know, and, and I'll actually... For, for me, I think uh, one, of the, one of the big things for me was is that the main, the main voice of this wasn't coming from LeBron or Kawhi Leonard or, or one of the big, the big guys. It was George Hill from the books. Um, he, was, he, he, had, he gave a, a press conference a few days before, and he was, you could see he was hurting him. And then um, 
he was the one who talked to the books and talked to the, the ownership and said what they want to do and stuff like that. So like, it's great that it's coming not just from LeBron. I know LeBron is like the biggest um, superstar, but the fact that it's not just the biggest guy in the world, that's yeah. like there's other players that are willing to, to put their careers on the line. Let's be honest here. I mean, like, I mean, like the, the, there's always that risk that you're boycotting the game, you're boycotting a playoff game, like that your, your, your league is going to, your, your team is going to like shut you down and, and fire you, right? Because you're refusing to play. So um, I, I really think that um, it was a very brave thing that they did. Like it's still, it, it resonated so much, like basically like a shutdown, all of ESPN, TSN, uh, that's all that people were talking about. It was like what, what the guys had done. So um, as I said, like, I mean, the fact that it was coming from George Hill um, predominantly rather than LeBron and stuff like that, I think was, it was, was great. Yeah. I mean, we've always talked about the fact that it, it has to be these, these neutrals, these people who aren't necessarily in the light as much because everyone knows what Trevor Noah's opinion is. Everyone knows what Obama's opinion is and all this. Everyone, it's the people that we don't know what their what their thoughts are we need more of those people to speak up so that by the time they're leaving a room they know that eight out of ten people have taken an anti-racist stance so then it's down to those two people after the room it's like well by default like are you racist like is, is that why you haven't spoken up or are you just like what are you waiting for at this point right like that's where i hope it gets to a point where people are questioning the, the few minority in the room that haven't taken an anti-racist stance, haven't spoken up, haven't shared a, a black square on Instagram and or liked it, like you said, Jan, earlier, so that there is the same 200 posts, 200 likes on that as there was your, your picture at the beach the day before. Like, you know, that's, that's where we need to get to before so, we can actually say, okay, we're making so, progress. So, John, what was the uh, what was the feeling in the bubble when the news was kind of coming through about the boycott on the NBA? What was the the, the buzz around about the players and stuff? Um, well, I can only speak about Halifax. You know, um, I haven't seen much of, of, of the other teams um, in the bubble here, but I know, you know, the guys felt it. They did. Um, a feeling of 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 almost hopelessness, you know. Um, it's easy to lose hope in a in, in a time where, I mean, you already have the COVID nineteen situation going on. You know, you already have the bubble, the lockdown, the quarantines, and so on. You already have family and friends to worry about uh, back home. You know, you don't want to get that phone call where you have somebody who 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 got the, the virus or something like that. And then to have to come to deal with this yet again, you know, it's 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 a bit frustrating. Um I know the players would have would have put something up. They came together and they they did something and they put something up on social media as well. Um and it just goes to show how 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 completely fed up and, and frustrated they are. Uh, towards this situation, um, especially in our group where, you know, it's such a, a close-knit bunch where everybody has a good relationship with everybody else, regardless of whatever, you know, and just to see things like that still happening, I know it was a bit frustrating for them. I think um, just w- watching, like, I mean, it's, it's kind of difficult for, for, those, for you guys because obviously the league is only in its second year and, like, you know, you kind of have to be careful somewhat in 
what you say and what you do because obviously I know the league is very inclusive but you're, it's also in its second year and it's you don't want to damage the league either so where where did the idea of the um, everybody going down to the pitch and it was it momentous it, it was incredible to watch and um, it it was unbelievable like I mean it was such a great uh, I don't want to call it a gesture because that's like that's very flippant. I, I don't know. I don't have my, the vocabulary to describe what it, what it was. But like, what what? Where did the idea? Where did where did the idea come from? And uh, that's a good question. I don't even know. I just know when I heard the idea, I was just like, yeah, let's do it. But um, to be honest, I really don't know where it came from. Uh, but when I heard the idea, I was like, yeah, let's go with that. Sounds good. And what was it like being at the actual? Um, at the pitch side and stuff like that for for the uh, in the the eighth minute like was it must have been it was good it was good it was a good feeling to know that everybody was there for the same purpose and the same cause and everybody was there willing willingly they came together and uh, it was a good feeling and do you think do you think that the I know it's kind of difficult because obviously you're you're a coach with the Wanderers and stuff like that, but do you think there's more that the league needs to do or do you think, what's the message from the players going forward? Um, from my understanding, I think the league has has done well. Um, again, COVID-19 has, 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 has really done a number on the league this year and I think the organisers have, have really done a tremendous job in, in even ensuring that we have a tournament this year, you know, so hats off to them. Um, but again, everybody on this side, everybody in, in the bubble is doing the best that they could do to help to, to, to get through all these different situations. And I think the leave has done their part so far. Uh, and for you, Marvin, when you were um, at home watching on TV, what was going through your mind when you saw... Um, the players come out with that because I know for me, I, I was I was blown away. I was just like, Jesus, this is this is big. It was it was great, man. Honestly, I I cried when I saw it. I was just it's overwhelming, you know, just the amount of support from all the teams. Um, because obviously, it impacts all of them, but the fact that everyone willingly, you know, went and and showed that unity and that solidarity was, it was great to see and the visual representation of everyone's, you know, feelings and, and uh, just seeing everyone come together. It was great. It was, it was a, it was a very heartwarming moment for myself. And I just hope that it's something that the league sees as um, a starting block, you know, for something bigger and um, they continue on this great momentum that they've started because it is, it is just that, you know, it's something that they've started, but it's not the, it's not the end. It's not the middle. It's, it's just the beginning. So I hope they just continue on that, on that great start. They, they began there. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, like it's, as Jan, as Jan said, it's very difficult right now with COVID-19 for them to do too much, but it's stuff like this that just brings the message home. And it kind of says to the rest of Canada that although we're in a bubble somewhere, we're not blind to what's um, happening in the world, and um, we fully support what the NBA had done and stuff like that. Like, I mean, it's 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 incredible to watch. I I know the NHL got a a bit of criticism because I guess they didn't boycott, but um, I, I mean, I I just think that as what we're talking about here about it's the people in the middle that need to 
open their eyes a little bit more. I think that was a good spot for the NHL to kind of fit into that exact thing that we're talking about because I mean it's a very predominantly white sport and for them to be seen to um to, to be helping along with their colleagues in the NBA and the MLS and stuff like that would have been a very powerful message. Um I think that that's truly where we all need to kind of start as as Jan says that we all need to kind of we all need to kind of look outside ourselves a little bit and like you know as like it's the people in the middle that are the ones that are going to change all this because I mean people out protesting it's not gonna it's get out and vote vote in the right people and also like like educate yourself see what's happening to the other people in your neighborhood see what's happening to, to your co-workers at work because it's them that's being affected right um, yeah and, and that's a, that's a great point i was gonna just elaborate on that a bit um with the wanderers recently you know we're, we're we've been very vocal and about how we're anti-racist and um recently um you know, we have a diversity board that we're putting together and Danielle McNally, our physio, is one of those people who's who's on that. And um, about late last week, she reached out to me with, uh, with a study she had done um, with Hockey Canada, actually, which is what triggered when you talk about hockey. Um, there was a study they did that was conducted by Harvard and it talks about all the implicit biases that, you know, we have, be it um, about age, you know, difference between how we treat older people, younger people, between gender, males and females, between um, even the race, like how do we, do we treat black people differently, Asian people? And um, so it's something she shared with me and I went through and did all of them. And, and uh, one of the ones, the first ones I did was on race and it asked you a series of questions to, and the, the speed of how quickly you respond really determines uh, the outcome because it knows if you answer really quick to one question about black people and then really slow to one about white people, that it's like, okay, you clearly have, you know, a negative or positive bias towards that, that group. And it showed me that I have a slightly positive bias towards black people, which obviously is, in my opinion is a combination of nature and nurture. You know, I am black and I've been, I grew up in Africa and then, you know, I'm my, my family's black. So I'm going to have a slight positive, but, it's, it's crazy to see that it's apparent, you know, even just by answering questions, not even by like seeing me or knowing me, but it's my actions also show that. And um, even some of the other ones towards age, you know, there's, there's, there's some negativity that I have towards an older age group. And it's something, it was really insightful to be able to actually see these results and be like, wait, this is how I think. And I start to, criticize myself and think about how can I change? Do I need to change certain things? You know, I look about older people or younger people or females or whatever. And um, so we shared it with our whole team, our whole office. And, you know, we encourage everybody else to do it and see what they learn about themselves. Because like you said, Anthony, you know, we have to really dig into ourselves first and make sure that we're aligning with uh, the right morals and values before we can go out. And, you know, there's that saying that don't throw rocks if you live in a glass house, right? So, we got to make sure that we're we're whole and we're, <laughs> we're living by the words we preach before we can start criticizing anybody else. So that was something that I, uh, it was really, really great. And I, I, I think it's something we're going to put on our website as well so that people can go through and, uh, and check that out as well. So. And um, I, I know that you have been uh, selling t-shirts through the store. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, um, so we partnered with Roberta Beals and Kalisha Dixon, who are local, um, local black couple here who create the shirts just out of their living room, uh, started as a hobby for them, and um, eventually they got a business out of it, and they're selling other products. Um, they're not doing much right now. They, uh, she's pregnant, actually, so congrats to them on their on their first child and um so they've slowed down a little bit but we still still do have the shirts at the store for anybody who's looking for them and um we're also going to be posting um on our website the where you can purchase black owned products from, from black owned businesses um anthony i just shared the link with you there as well yep. so that's another great way of just supporting is not just saying and whatever, but actually going and making sure when you're going to buy certain products, if you can help a black owned business that, you know, you take your opportunity to do that and not help these big box companies like the Walmarts and whatnot, if there's somebody locally who you can support. So highly uh, recommend everyone checks that out. I'll, I'll make sure to, uh, to, to, to post it on the, on the page and on the site. Um, I, I just think that, you know, um, like we look at so many black people, as as heroes you know like on, on their team like i mean when akeem scores a goal or alex does an amazing piece of skill or rampy hits in a crazy <laughs> tackle you know like we look at them as heroes that way but then on the flip side of it we have people who just ignore it once the the, the football's over so I, i'm hoping that you know that we'll all treat everybody the way that we treat rampy <laughs> akeem <laughs> And Alex, <laughs> because that's the only way we're going to move forward is just just pretend that every black person you see is your favorite footballer. <laughs> For so, sure, if you don't like football, your favorite actor uh, or whatever. Exactly. Just pretend everybody you see is Denzel. So, uh, <laughs> just not training day, Denzel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. More John Q. John Q. Denzel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, um, how, just before we let you go, uh, John, uh, just to kind of just go off topic a little bit. So, how's the guys all doing after the uh, the game? The fantastic comeback on Saturday. How's everybody doing? Oh, um, spirits are up. Um, I think the most important thing now is for us to manage the the energy levels to make sure that we we give a better showing on Wednesday. But um, spirits are up. Um, I think just to, 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 to add to the mindset of, you know, trying to stay unbeaten and trying to be difficult to beat, staying together, you know, things like that. I think that game helped us to go in that direction. So that could actually push us through to, to hopefully get into the second round. So um, I just need to ask you a favor, though. Um, can we try not to win a game or equalize in the 91st minute? Because my nerves, <laughs> <laughs> my nerves can't take any more of this, man. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, was, I think I think I need to turn the table over at the bar. I was like, fire! <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so like, All right. I can't make any promises, but... Um, Hopefully we, Try. we kind of do the business and, and get it done earlier than later in the game just to, just to save you all from the heart attacks, you know? <laughs> so, so I really hope that the guys, like, realize, like, the, the, the love that's coming from Halifax. You know, it's got, obviously it's hard um, for them to, uh, to, to, to know that we're all really good behind them, but um, we, we really are. And it's, the whole city's been going crazy and getting in behind you guys. And I just wish that you guys were here 
to see it all. But um, good luck on Wednesday. Uh, we're definitely rooting for you. And um, thanks so much for hanging out. I really appreciate it. It was a very educational for me again, guys. It's been... Um, I like having these conversations because I grew up in a very predominantly white, like there's a lot of white ginger people with freckles where I am. So I didn't get to meet <laughs> black people when I was growing up and you know, you guys are amazing and um, I really appreciate you giving me the education and I hope that little things like this will help other people get educated and um, we can make the world as a slightly better place. Have a great Thanks, night. Guys. Yeah, I'm just going to leave with one quote if that's okay. Quote, no. uh, no. <laughs> quote Obama. That's a brave one, Marvin. Gods to, gods to. So this is one that I find uh, kind of summarizes everything really well. And uh, so Obama said, I, I think the change happens typically not because somebody on high decides that it's going to happen, but rather because at a grassroots level, enough people come together that they force the system to change All right so if, if this is something that we're going to change it it has to be at a grassroots level it has to be the children it has to be the next generation that's going to continue whatever change we start and enforce it so that's what i leave everyone with god i'm missing god i'm missing as president all right man <laughs> take care john take care marv really appreciate you guys hanging Thanks, out Anthony. And, um, Thanks having me So welcome to this second part of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, this part, of course, is sponsored by good friends at Humble Pie. Pies and Points, the perfect match. And we're doing our oiling game review here. Uh, we're going to just go over uh, briefly with the Wanderers, um, how they did against uh, York, and then we'll do our, our patented uh, player rating. So uh, the first question I have for, for you, Carlos, is um, did you feel that once again we were kind of slow out of the blocks um well yes and no i mean uh we gotta realize that uh um how do you say this uh york pretty much like study us pretty well like they knew they pretty much did the same that uh, the other team's been doing as long as start start pressuring. I know it's normal in football, but it's not so normal for us. Um, what I don't like is just like we have to consider goal again to start like playing amazing. Um, I feel like uh, we play good um, after we have uh, ten men down. Um, you know when you have one less guy on the field things start getting serious, you know, like you start getting gas out and everything. Defensively wise, I'm amazed how we defended, like with 10 men. Let me tell you something, like when we had 11 men on the pitch, our defense was okay. But it seems like when we lose one um, one guy, like everybody were defending amazingly. 
it was just like surprising to me, you know, what we have to do at like when we have one guy less. I know, I, I feel like it's natural in football that you are more aware of it, you know, but I'm surprised how the team responded. Um, we were all gassed out, but you feel like we're still having one eleven player. Like that's what I have to keep kudos to Stephen Hart in the whole match because pretty much he knew how to deal with that situation in the whole 90 minutes. The subs were amazing. Um, they were right on point. And I got to give kudos to Stephen Hart for that. I, th- I, th- I think for me, this is probably the first game um, I felt that the team was just a tiny little bit gassed because like the press that we, that we use, it's so high pressure and that it's very difficult um, to, to, to do that game after game after game. Because there, there was a part in the second half, I think it was, uh, like like Rampersat ran from nearly their box all the way out to try and uh, tackle, I think it was uh, Maury Donor. And it, it, it kind of shows to me the type of player that he is, that he went back and he like tackled them and stuff like that. But that's, like, that's, a, that's a lot for a player to do in the You're right. Half. You're absolutely right with that. And also... This team, high pressure, one thing is with Corbin, high pressure, uh, Corbin. That guy can run every, every, every place, you know? That guy's nonstop. He's like the energizer bunny. He goes all, all over, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But not having Corbin probably gave us a little bit of uh, extra work for the rest. Like Marshall is not as fast as Corbin. Uh, he's a different tactical player, so... In that aspect, I feel like that's probably like having – if we're going to start like doing the high pressure, I feel like Corbin has to be in the field to from the well, beginning that's, that's, to start when, pressuring, you know? That's when the game kind of started to really fully change. That was when he brought him on. Mm-hmm. Like, to your credit, Carlos, you're right. Like as, 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 well, as, as well balanced as we look trying to get forward or mid-down, Corey is almost like two guys. Yeah. Like Corey can – press on two guys like the balls to the center back he can press that guy and if he can get a clean pass to the fullback Corey can still get to that guy to make him make a decision quicker than he wanted to right so um i i, I agree with you completely carlos um I, I felt like all the steven subs were fantastic but i even would have brought Corey on about 10 minutes sooner yeah i i, I totally agree um just just i, I think myself had the akeem gold uh the akeem shot gone in um, when he took it on his chest, I think we would be talking in a totally different um, light about the, the game because I I, went, I watched back the game today and I I remember seeing it, but I didn't like obviously you're in the bar you don't get to see the whole thing, but the pass from Rampersat to Alex Alex Marshall was world class. Like he played it right in behind and then Alex like tapped it on to I came and there was an awful lot for him to do. Don't get me wrong and I, yeah it was it was awkward. But I mean, it, it just shows you like what the team is capable of um, when it actually like tries to play football. And I feel like some like um, I honestly thought like we were a little bit slow to get going again. Um, so same thing again. I think sometimes we just don't play it simple. Like you know, there's a couple of times when Reezy was trying to play like a clever ball in the back of the the team and stuff like that. But like sometimes you don't have to do that. You know, like I mean, you've got to trust I, your. You got, you got to trust your like you got to trust Chris that you know if you're going to pass the ball to him he's going to go running with it or if you're going to play out left like it, it doesn't always have to be the, the the highlight reel pass you know what I mean like it's it, it's great when it comes off but sometimes the simpler pass is just as effective. 
Definitely. And plain simple is hard, as we mentioned it before. But uh, I feel like uh, uh, the, from the first, in the first half, I feel like, and part of the second, we excessively uh, played the ball in the air too much. There were chances, like there was one chance that uh, Rampersat could uh, like put the ball on the ground and make a simple pass, but he just decided to cross it in the air. And it was, it was kind of like, I'm using because I was like on the ground and then the camera points Stephen Hart. Stephen Hart was kind of like on the ground, on the ground. Like it was just perfect because I feel like we used the ball in the air a bunch of times that we could just like simply uh, put it on the ground because we have uh, very technical players that we can play it on the ground and we can just like start distributing um, in different bands, you know, in the whole pitch. How tall is Akeem? <laughs> well, they seven. don't call him froggy for nothing so yeah. I, 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 I know he's got a leap on him but like still <laughs> he's not that much like he's not gonna out jump uh, Luca Gasparato right I mean like, it's like it's just trying to pump a long ball into him is just a waste of some time like, like I think to- I think to Carlos oh, sorry there we go yeah um, to Carlos's point I, I, I'd like our guys didn't our guys didn't feel like we controlled the game as much if that makes any sense like york did do they were pretty comfortable on the ball and, and they were fun in their pockets and stuff but i didn't feel entirely threatened by york much in the game i felt like our guys didn't quite know that they had it in them until like i said that substitution happened i felt like if like you were saying if they, if they took simpler risks rather than playing like you had 11 men, we might have actually found our foot into the game a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Oh, de- de- definitely. I mean, like, like I, I hate to bring it up, but, I mean, uh, the, the the miss from Akeem from that header was, like, that. Like uh, we were screaming in the, in, in, uh, in, the, in the pub, like, you know, that was our chance. Thank God that Omar stepped up at the end and got us out of jail with that one. But, I mean... As, and this like, is why... This is what, what what we were texting with Anthony. Remember, I told you like this is a problem to me. Akin is is he, he in the, in this tournament he has to be the nine because like we already established and we cannot change too much that we're already doing it. But uh, to me, Akin is a winger, and his natural movements on the area like he's little in the area with his feet. But like a typical nine would probably like have a better reaction in in that pass and just headed you know into the corner oh. or some areas in, in the whole ball but he's not a nine um i i think like if ibra was at that position he probably oh. will score that one yeah I, I think so too and like i'm not trying to take it away from because like sometimes when um when a cross comes over like that and it's so perfect it was an amazing pass i think it was omar that crossed it, it was in. it was amazing sometimes you, you like you've got too much time and you're like, okay, I need to make sure I connect properly and I need to make sure I'm doing this, that, and the other. And then you don't do any of the things you wanted to do with it because you're thinking too much. Um, but that was, a pheno- like, and that was a phenomenal cross. That was like, like I mean, he, he looked so good when he came on. Um, uh, he's obviously given himself a bit of a show for a start in Bears now, like after uh, Jail's rush of blood. So cracking on our uh, pie scale reviews of the, of, of the team. Um, so... Obviously, the ox and goal. Uh, Carlos, what did you give him? I gave him seven bites. Yeah, I, 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 I thought he was very solid myself. I think uh, there was one, one save there in the first half. I think it was uh, Joe de Chara. Chara. Anyway, uh, that guy, he, uh, he had, a, he had a shot, and he kind of, it was very close to the, to the post, and he took the sting out of the shot, and then he caught it, 
and it almost looked like mm. he went over the line. That kind of that was, yeah. that was a very good save, and he just looked solid. I think in he was. He was solid. The only kind of dub that I gave Oxner, it's in that uh, Manny Aparicio free kick. Uh, I feel like he could put one more guy in the wall, but I don't know. He could have say no. He could have put fucking twenty people in that wall, man. That thing was going into the top corner. That was yeah, I'm, I'm, was a, that not, was a golazo, man. Like, I know. <laughs> I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be smart either. But because Ox is so short, who does he put in that wall? Well, yeah, that he has a ring. Right, like, I know what you're saying, Carlos. I know exactly what you're saying because he could have sent that wall even over two more steps. Yeah, and that would have compensated for that height. Yeah, but in the heat of the moment, I think he wanted the angle, and he made a good dive. It was just the the perfect the, fucking goal. They probably could have got away with uh, putting Rigi on Shala's uh, shoulders and uh, just did it that way. So, uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris, what, what? But yeah, no, I'm a I'm a seven for the Ox too. Like yeah. you mentioned, Anthony, that save was actually big. Um, when you look at it, down a man, down a goal, make that save. That kind of makes gives the guys a little more confidence. Um, so let's go. Let's start with the back line here again. Um, so uh, Chris, no, uh, Chris, what what do you think of his game? Sixteen tackles leads the island games. That's just the random stat that I found earlier that I wanted to share with everybody. But it's like you know, I agreed with you, Anthony, at the start. He did his thing at right back, but it was just like when the things when things get serious, is he going to be that calm and steady guy you need? And he's been beyond that. Um, down a man, communicated well. I gave Chris a seven and a half. One of the best players in the game. I um, I was very similar. I, I just watching it back again today. Like I mean, there was a couple of crosses at the beginning that were like a little bit loose, but that's just me being like nitpicky to be perfectly honest because I think he had a great game and he's just growing into that 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 role like I mean it's like it's it's crazy like from as I said even on the last podcast like I mean you look at him from the first game to what he what he is now and he's a totally different player and I but it must be a credit to Stephen because Stephen's the one who's like telling him he can do it so um I, I, I gave him a seven I thought he had a really really solid game and uh I, I think over He's been probably one of our most uh, consistent players, which I'm really happy for because he's a super cool guy. Um, Carlos? I gave him 7-2. Um, I had uh, Enza um, oh, as, a, as my right back in my before the season started. If you guys check the graph that, that we did, um, he's just like his speed, everything. Like he was, since I saw him he's like lying. in the kitchen in, in the stadium, uh, I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I saw him like in the kitchen like he well, he played like a few games not a few but a couple games as a right back then he swapped um, he he can do it I mean like that he's he's getting better every game so switching flanks then we'll go over to Mateo um, I, I thought he had another solid game again you know and it's like it's it's really it's really unfortunate for Alex because Chris you gave him out of the match the last game and we gave him very high scores that um, Alex had to sit it out, but I, I can see why because Alex was like looked fucked after it. But um, I, I, we just have like it doesn't matter which one of those guys is in there now. We know we're gonna be safe and secure on that side. So I'm gonna give uh, Mateo um, seven. Like gave him at seven too. Like he did a, a tackle like in the last twenty minutes. Um, that was like. Freaking gangster man! Like Mateo is like he doesn't like he 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 thinks like he's freaking I don't know 
uh, <laughs> it's just one of my favorite one of my favorite parts just watching the game back today um we were trying to do the press and uh Re- Rigi was like the next player to push in to tackle somebody and i swear to god like Mateo came running out of nowhere, zipped past Rigi and tackled the guy and got the ball off. That's him. yeah. And, and I, I was just yeah. like, I was like, I was like, fucking hell, man! Where the fuck did he come from? It was like, it was like, it was almost like he did, he was like over having a drink of water and then just said like, fuck it, I'll run on. You know what I mean? It was it was it was, it was crazy and uh, and I think that just goes to show you what he brings to the team um, as much as Alex does. It's uh, that kind of grit and determination and. Uh, gives everything for the cause. So um, yeah, so, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised in a year or a year and a half or, or in two seasons, Matteo gets sold because he's he's he he's he's going to be one of those players. What blows my mind is that he doesn't have a yellow card yet. I don't think. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if he does, he only has one. Like you said, no, he's just he he's he's fucking fearless. Like yeah. he finds these the the timing as a right footed player on the left to just make it work. He was a seven and a half for me as well. Um, I, I don't rate him as highly as you guys, to be completely honest. And it's not because I don't think he's doing anything wrong. In fact, I think it's because he's doing everything perfect. And when you don't have to mention him because he's not making mistakes, that's exactly what you want from a defender. So, um, Carlos, what did you give uh, Gems? I'll give Gems. I gave him 10 pies because- 47 to- pies! <laughs> no, 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 no. I gave him 10 pies last last episode because I wanted to bring attention that he is such a good defender and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into that. So this week, I'm going to give James nine pies. You took, a pie, you took a pie away from him, huh? Jesus. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Chris is laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jem did great. Um, him and Peter, their partnership really showed incredible growth yesterday. And I'll get to the, the, the brunt of it with when we rate Peter. But Jem's found a role yesterday, man down, to kind of take a step back, not to kind of survey, but to make the right decision. He's always made the right decision. But uh, it's just a seven for me, but not a bad seven. Uh, again, like Mateo, didn't make a mistake seven. Um, I agree with you on that one, Chris. I, like I know Carlos that he's like a solid guy and he just goes about his business. Um, nine just seems excessive to me, but hey, that's uh, it's <laughs> Carlos. Carlos, extra pies. We've already yeah, learned this. Yeah. Carlos is extra pies. I don't mind it. I think it's great. I think so, it's so, great. But I find with Carlos is that he gives pies with this hand, and then on this one he'd be like. Two pies, and then he, like some poor bass has gone home hungry. So, uh, so, so James for me, uh, seven as well. I think he um, he had a really solid game. He's probably been, um, along with Chris, has probably been like our most solid uh, players in, um, in defense. He's just played every minute, and he's uh, just does his work and no hysterics or anything like that. Just gets it goes about with a true professional. Uh, so, so next we're going to go over to uh, Mr. Chalet. Um, let's start with you, Chris, because I know you said you had something to say there. So, I've been critical of Peter a little more than I probably should have been, and, and I've talked to Peter a little bit, and and you know he kind of gets it, mm-hmm. and and it's because he's a self-critical person. And yesterday we saw the freaking German fridge. 
in more ways than one. We saw him on the ball finding the link confidently. We saw him off the ball getting into spaces, making interventions, communicating when guys were making mistakes, and then also kind of being self-critical himself. I remember there was – he missed one tackle – and then Chris cleaned it up and went out for a throw-in. And I remember Peter raised his hand up to Chris almost like a my bad. And then when the ball came back in and the pass went around Chris, Peter cut that tackle off, bam, up the field. It was just like, you know that he's been sitting down, stewing in the juices. That is <laughs> the first few games. And now he is that bratwurst that we've been waiting for. <laughs> Cut that out too, because that's a terrible one. Oh god, but... <laughs> that's, that's, that's going to be. The, I'm going to just like play that over and over again. On the... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Honestly, Peter was Peter was my co-man of the match, um, and the only reason he's my co-man of the match was because, like I said, Omar had one of the best performances um, in that mini cameo. So, uh, Peter eight and a half, and thank you for making me look like an idiot for the last week, man. Amazing. Carlos? I'm going to give Peter nine pies because we were one man down. And I know we, he, he, uh, we saw, like, as Chris says, the old Peter Shala, you know, the, the Peter we wanted to. But, man, the way that he took the lead, like he was a captain without an armband for those moments, you know. Peter Shala showed that the uh, what he can do, he can give more. Um, when he was, he was a player that was outside the box. Because if you see the, the defensive line was a little bit forward. Yeah. And the way that um, James started covering Peter, you know, those holes so Peter could go up. And the way that he was just like transiting, giving the ball from, 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 from deep to up there, it was great. Um, I don't know, like, I mean, like, we all know what, 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 what the quality that Peter has, but to me, it was just like he commanded the defense and he took the team under his shoulder. And he, to me, obviously, the guy uh, of the picture is Omar. No disrespect to Omar because he played amazing. Um, he changed the game. But to me, Peter was the man of the match. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, he didn't score. So, you know, and, <laughs> but, uh, he could have. <laughs> he could have that one, but that. But to be honest, like the, the way that 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 Peter took the team on his shoulders and just like command everything, it was just like great, you know. Him and, and James like commanding that defense and nobody passed. It was just like it was just like a wall, man. To, to, to me, it reminded me of a performance um, that I, I don't know if you ever seen the picture of like Terry Butcher with the the bandage around his head and piss and blood and stuff like that, or you know, like mm. Steve Bruce or Gary Pallister or um, yeah. Saul Campbell. John O'Shea. Play, play, play for Tottenham. Play for Tottenham. So, no, it's like, it's just, you know, that kind of like, that that defender that just like, through the adversity of like, the, the team going a, a man down, just steps up to the plate. He just knows he has to step up and he needs to kind of make, just weather the storm and guide the, um, the, the team through the choppy waters, right? So, I, I think... Uh, that's definitely was definitely his best performance of the um the tournament so far. The only thing again, and I I hate to be nitpicky, but you Jesus know, like, Christ, man. Well, hey, I don't give like seven and a half or seven point sevens, all right? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, I know what you're gonna say too, but go ahead. I know what the, you're gonna the only say. Thing, go ahead. The, the only thing I think that was letting him down again was his 
ball distribution. There's a lot of times when he was just like huffing the ball up, like just booting it up the field to try and get something going. And it's like, that's why I kind of mentioned it around about Akeem's height. Like, Akeem's like, what, 5'8"? Like he's not going to win an aerial challenge against Gasparato. It's just not going to happen. So there's a couple of times when, like, I know that we're trying to get back into the game and we're trying to get, uh, like, the attacks going and stuff like that. But in the 70th minute, we should be hoofing the ball at the field just to give it back to York 9 because every time they get the ball, like, they were passing around and, like, you know, with, with the, the press we were trying to do and whatever, it was just gassing us out. So, like, I, I said, like, he had a great game. He was fucking amazing. The cool trank is back. All that kind of good stuff. But just to be that tiny little bit uh, critical, I just think that he just needs to calm down. Like, it's like it's not... You don't always have to pay a 50-yard diagonal ball. You know what I mean? It's like it's just play it simple. It's not your job. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he he did a he did a couple balls, a couple crossings that they were on point though. Two out of ten. Like that's sorry. Go ahead. I mean that's that's the thing. But when you're under, you're right. yeah. when you're under pressure, okay. like, you need okay. to keep the ball, right? Uh, anyway, so, you, so I think I think, you, I think you said it though, real quick before we move on. I think what I learned yesterday. Because we were a man down and that things were more instructional, the fact that Peter was still hitting that long ball, it's less Peter, more instructional. So I'm, I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, Anthony. I'm just going to be less critical of Peter going forward now for those failed long balls because I feel like he's being told to do that rather than it being his instinct now, later in the game. I, I, would, I would just like so, to say whoever's on the um, sideline, tell him to hit. 50-yard diagonal balls, please stop it. Peter is a really good passer of the ball, and he doesn't need to be – he's not Franz Beckenbauer. Anyway, my score for Peter is uh, – <laughs> That's exactly who was, that was, it was in my head, too. So, That's who um, was in my head, too. So, I don't know uh, if Peter listens to this, but I, I would like to hear his opinion. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just going to call that me. Might be, that might be the first – that might be the first person we have on when this tournament's over from the Wanderers. Uh, and, uh, the first words out of his mouth will be is you're all a share of cunts. Anyway, Peter Salah. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Salah, A-Pies. I think he had a great game uh, despite what I just said. But um, I, 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 as I said before, everything we do is from a, a place of love because we love this team and we, we also want to give our um, – a fair assessment, I think. Anyway, so let's move on to our friend, uh, Mr. Marshall. Um, Carlos. Well, Marshall was getting to me six pies until he started playing on the left, which is his natural position. Then I gave him seven pies. And I don't know. Um, this is what what I was thinking, right? Like, Mar- like as you say, and, and I let me rephrase again, as you said, Anthony, like put players in their natural position and stuff are going to happen. So I don't know if part of the strategy of Stephen Hart was I'm going to put Marshall on Corey Ben position so when Corey Ben gets in, these guys can swap each other and cause trouble, you know? But – I think. Why are you guys stealing all my notes tonight? You guys are stealing all my notes tonight. I'm sorry to cut you off, Carlos. Literally, like everything I'm saying tonight, you guys are saying. Like, you're right, Carlos, but I honestly think that Steven wants Marshall to get fit and had nowhere else to put him. Mm -hmm. Now, we're yelling over the last couple of 
shows that we want to see our best 11 in the positions that they fit in. And that's where Alex Marshall goes. But I feel like what we're going to see over the next two games, again, not to be very critical, might eat my words, might eat my socks, two weaker teams putting Alex Marshall now in his natural position on the left and having Corbett with a little bit of rest is probably the best thing going forward. Uh, to now be honest, this with Morelli at card, yeah he's going to end up having to play Rigi's going to end up having to play in behind the striker yeah. because we've got I, no player I, there now and, and Rigi's got that. his feet wet, even if it's on the left. Yeah. And, that's, and that's, I want to see that, that to but me is, is the only thing, but there's no time to start testing because wow. they, we got two matches only. I and think, we're not um, even in the top four. So it's, it's, it's die or die in, in the field. You know, well, like, that's, kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of where the Morelli red card, not to say that it's a gift in any way, shape, or form, because it's completely the shittiest thing that could have happened. But because Rigi has played in the first few games, he's the one guy I think I could confidently put in the position that Morelli yeah. just played in. Behind the and line. the fact that he is match fit, I'm now confident with Corey Bent having a little bit of rest over the last few matches that we're going to get the Corey Bent we got in the first two games. And Corey Bent on the right, that's, Marsh, Marshall, Marshall on the left. And and Rigi in the middle. I, I think that's middle, it. Yeah. We're, getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves now. Jesus, boys! Holy smokes! We're so, still supposed to be talking about Marshall. So, so I think uh, <laughs> what's uh, the uh, rating you gave him? Sorry, Carlos. I gave Marshall uh, seven point five. Seven. Yeah. I, th- I think honestly, the, oh, reason okay. why, the reason why Rigi is in the team is because he played so well in the last game. It was impossible not to play him in this game, and I think that's why he played. Um, but I think. Uh, we're talking about who's going to replace Joe Morelli. Um, I'm thinking that after his performance, when he came on for the, his cameo, uh, I, I think we might see Omar sitting there because I think he's more than capable of doing it. Um, so I think what we'll see in the next game is we'll probably see Sissoko and Rampersat as the two sitting because I think they're going to start switching. The, the, the three of them are going to be like switching games. And then we might see Omar sitting in, uh, in, in the hole there because I think he did enough... Uh, to show that he can play that position. Anyway, back to Marshall. Uh, this is a, this is a tricky one because, as Carlos said, he 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 was kind of off the pace again a little bit. But then when he did switch, he did come into the game. So I'm going to give him six and a half points. I think that's a pretty fair score. And I, I think there's so many like little glimpses of the magic that he can bring to the team um, that once he gets firing on all cylinders, he's going to be an incredible player for us. So that's my little two cents. And Chris. Definitely. Yeah, I'll keep mine brief because we already kind of talked about it. But um, before the red card, he actually had two pretty killer passes. The one was that one to Garcia that um, my guy G messed up a little bit on, right? But um, he's got link-up play and link-up potential. And I feel like he came to the league with a little bit of reputation and these guys are just playing him tight. So... Um, similar to Carlos, like it was just another one of those games where didn't really hear his name much, but down a man, if he's marketing, he's doing his thing, he's marketing, he's doing his thing. But, um, I, I felt like as the game went on, he was one of the, one of the pieces of the puzzle that actually kind of built up to the finish there. So he got a solid seven from me and, and, and that was his best performance in my opinion. I know that he got the assist in that other game, but, but to me that that was his best performance and, I'm hoping that we see him on the left the next two games in his full uh, Jamaican form. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, moving, uh, we'll go across the, the middle here. So let's um, let's do. Um, do we? 
let's do Rampersat first. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna leave uh, LBG to, to after that. Uh, Rampersat I think had a solid if not spectacular game. I think he just as I said before he just goes about his business and gets stuff done. Um, that pass he played in the first half to Alex to set up Akeem was phenomenal. Um, he led when the when Morelli was sent off. I, I just loved the little touch of him running over to him at the sideline and just giving him a pat on the back just to, you know, I, I, it's little things like that that not everybody will always notice, but it's, it, that probably meant a lot to, to Joe when he was walking off that, you know, like he hadn't let the team down, that, you know, it's one of those things. So I thought it was a really nice touch. Um, so I, I'm going to give Rampersat a seven and a half. I think he had a pretty spectacular game. Um, so Chris, for away. Same score for me. It was a little bit higher and I don't want to talk about it. And we're not going to talk oh. about it. Yeah, I tried not to. A bit of a boo-boo there. Yeah. A bit of a boo-boo there, Rampy. You got lucky there, bro. You you got lucky, bro. But you, it, it goes to show you how... No, honestly, like... It goes passion, to show you how, man. But and it goes I mean, to show you how... It goes to show you how much a niggly player... I'm trying to be PC here. Uh, a niggly player, did you know you're right to play against that? Like obviously, Morelli got the you got the yep. reaction of Morelli, and you got the reaction out of um, Rampersat. So there's not the there's obviously his yep. game is to like, and, to be an asshole and like pull out your jersey and all that kind of stuff. So and um, the fact that he did and I and I could be wrong about this. Like we're we're, we're talking. We're talking rampy, but I mean, Carlos, you might have heard this. Maybe you even heard this, Anthony. That the De- Cheria fella. I think he's the first player with a suspension. So, so, so there's a weird kind of like ambi- uh, it was very ambiguous because there was uh, one thing said he had three, and then another one said he had four yellow cards. So yeah, so, so there's a kind of a mix. So you so, did see this, okay? Yeah. So, so a- somebody said he got a yellow card on the sideline, and it's confirmed <laughs> that he has four. So he actually has a yellow when he wasn't even playing in a game. So, so, so he is one of those people. little niggly pieces of shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a scumbag. Yeah. I know that that's such a that's such a like close to not PC word, Anthony. Yeah, you're I, right. I, yeah, I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying to like be cuz cuz at the end of the day, I mean like there's always players like that and they, like Gattuso was like that Gattuso would oh, always yeah, man. Get, get reactions out of players and stuff like that and it's just it's just part of some people can we be completely honest though Gattuso let's let's um, be completely honest the next guy we're talking about is one of those but let's let's hear Carlos's first yeah um Rampersack, Carlos uh to me seven and a half um because man like Rampy uh Another game, another shift that he proves that he's one of the best midfielders in the CPL. Uh, so complete, like, you know, he th- he sees things that we don't see clearly that nobody wants soccer experts see because, like, the way that he conducts the midfield and just distribute passes and, and, and he's always in the place that he has to be, you know? You know, you have your strikers that they're always, like, playing the box, like, like pushing and pressuring. But uh, he's just, like, very calm. Uh, just like, okay, let's go here, let's go there. He, he's kind of like um, uh, a player that is, like, very unorgan- um, uh, that organized distribution of the passes, which complements perfectly Sissoko because Sissoko's more, like, forward, you know? That's why, like, that, that, that duo works perfectly. Um, another solid shift from Rappersat, uh 7.5. Yeah, I, th- I think I think um, 
as we were saying before that like when a person makes the game look easy it usually makes him a great player because it's the the, the great players make the game look simple you just know mm-hmm. like he's just two steps ahead of everybody else he just knows where the ball is going to be or where he needs to be and um it's, it's quite a skill so yeah um i i can't speak high enough and- um so let's go on to lbg the enigma that is lbg um i do you know what i'm gonna let carlos start on this one because <laughs> uh yeah um what, what did you think carlos fucking love how it. many pies i gave him last time two frozen ones right yeah something like that yeah i'll give him three frozen ones this time i don't want to be that rough but it's just i mean i know he hasn't like I don't want to be rough on on LBG. I don't want to because I know he's he's such a great guy, you know. But come on, like I I think like he's pressure or something um, about like to prove like you know that he has to be there. And now that we have a a lineup with a four two three one, I feel like the pressure maybe and anxiety it's 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 kind of like costing like those kind of mistakes because you know we're playing now with two meets and he's trying to prove that you know he can be one of those but it's 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 just one of those moments like i know lbg could do better than that like you know what i don't want to keep chopping because the trees already fallen but <laughs> i think that he can do way better than this and 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 I don't want to be laughing. Damn. Do you have a fucking book of these fucking things, do you? Carlos, honestly, man. Uh, it's like all it's, the sayings, all the Carlosisms, okay. or Benitisms, I think somebody said. I actually like Benitisms is better. But it's not a saying, man. Like, it's just, I, I, I like LBG. Like, he's a talented player, but I don't know what's going on. Honestly, maybe he misses the Quebecois croissants. I don't know. Like, you know, I know some croissants here. You know, he can go to 2 if I see. If they're listening, it could be another sponsor too. But, yep. um, you know, um, we'll have, we'll have, it's, 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 I don't get it. Like, he's, we'll have, he's we'll, great. We'll have sponsors for what's breakfast, happening? dinner, lunch. <laughs> That's actually what's going to end up happening. It's yeah, going to be called, yeah. like, down the breakfast down the down the luncheon, down, down, <laughs> down the down, brunch, down the clinic with fucking diabetes because we're eating so much shit. Brunch <laughs> <laughs> the pub. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Chris, um, uh, aye, 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 Carlos, man, 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 man. Don't, 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 I, don't make me feel bad because, like, I just I'm giving I, an opinion, and I, and I know he can do better. I know. I I was okay. So here's where I'm at, kind of to what you were saying. You know he's a different player than what he showed yesterday, but he fit in a role yesterday with Morelli on the field, with Rampersad being that box to box guy. Louis almost became the pest, and I thought he played the role perfectly yesterday, especially when we went down a man. Um, off the ball, he was right on guys' heels. Uh, he was making some dumb tackles here and there, but they were in positions where they weren't threatening. He wasn't giving up the bad foul like he was in previous games. Um, Obviously there's a little more to be desired on the ball and that's what we want from him. But I think yesterday with all the circumstances that happened and with the form that he's in, I actually didn't mind the Louis we got. So I actually wrote him down for a seven. 
I did. And, I just, and the well, reason I, why I, I did is because I, I felt like York, Manny Aparicio, and everybody else in that midfield struggled because of somebody like Louie kind of taking up those spaces that they should have had after Morelli got the red card. Like that's, that's honestly like I, I, I really saw Louis's game off the ball yesterday and he, he showed me somebody that can play with the playmaking role. We thought he had that pest role and we don't have a pest right now, except for Rampersad. And from what we've been seeing is Rampersad is the quote unquote better midfielder. So we, if we want Rampy to be free, if we don't have a Sissoko and we don't have a Morelli and we don't have an Omer or any of these guys, he's he showed to me yesterday that he can be a pest. Well, so uh, he got a seven for me. Like big final for LBG, and and you guys can tell that when we go sign him because I want to see the LBG of Valor. I want to see that LBG. I don't want to see the LBG that 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 I've been looking. That you know, I want to see the LBG of Valor. And I don't know I don't, how many I, frozen pies he needs to get, <laughs> honestly, to get to that level. But I want to see that LBG. That's all I want to say because I know he has it. That's all I, I have to say. That's it. I don't, dis- I don't disagree, brother. All I'm saying mm-hmm. is, is in the situation we're in with everything that's happened, Louis has done what he's had to do for us to get that point. Louis didn't do anything for us to lose two points yesterday he did, or the day he before. Didn't. He didn't do so, anything wrong, honestly. Yeah, you know, so, I know you. I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're yeah. saying. But so I'm got, gonna, I'm gonna play devil's advocate on this one. So, uh, what do you get? Like a four, a four, five, four. Well, five. I've been kind of thinking about it, and like I rewatched the game again today, and I kind of see what, what you're saying a little bit with Chris and the fact of like that his positional play was a lot better yesterday uh, on on Saturday. But once again, as soon as that ball was at the edge of the area and he tried to put in a tackle, I was just like. It's going to be a foul. And when Carlos said that he didn't, co- or somebody said there he didn't cost two points, he did because he's the one who gave that foul away for a position for Manny to, to take the free kick, which he'd almost he scored did. in the game before. And people, people on the chat and people were ever saying it wasn't a foul. It was. He came in from behind them. Like you don't. You, it was a foul. Yeah, you can't do that. And that's this is the problem um, with, with LBG. I find is that Carlos, what you you kind of hit the nail a little bit on the head is that we all want the Louis who played in Winnipeg. We all want him, and so does he. And I think the problem is, is that he's not the first name on the, the team sheet the way he was in Winnipeg. And I think that's it's affecting him because I said it before that he's a marquee signing. It's the same with Marshall, that you have to justify why you were, you were picked or you're bought by or transferred to, to Halifax. And he, Take the pressure out, yeah, be and, the old LBG, because I, I, I know... He can do way better. Yeah, but he good. never, he never has, good. Like if you look at it now, he now has Omar and he now has Sissoko, like able to come into the team. So there's a lot of pressure on him, and I think it was a, it was a much improved performance compared to the ones that I've seen previously. But it's just that little kind of little bits and pieces that like he still needs to like work on and just kind of. The best thing that could happen to LBG, uh, just to before I, I I pass it to Chris, I feel like the best thing that could happen to LBG is to score a goal. That yeah. will kill every, you know, like it will take that pressure off yeah. and he's going to be, you know, that I, LBG that we want to uh, see, uh, the, the Valor one. 
And my, my, my score, by the way, was six points. So I kind of, I, I don't think he deserved frozen points. I feel like he, he should be able to microwave them in. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll hit them up. Like, not frozen. Only, like only, only, <laughs> takes, <laughs> only takes one minute to, to, uh, to cook the pie in the, the microwave. The pies are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's stop fighting and move on to something that's going to make okay, us fight okay. even more. Generally, I'm joking. No, I'm going to really joke till the end. Um, Rigi, um, what, what did you got? For me... For me, I think this was probably Rigi's weakest game. I think that's more. I think that's more to do with the fact of who he was playing against. And I think York's fullbacks mm-hmm. are like some of the best in, in in the league. And I think he did a very uh, manful job of tracking back and sticking with their their fullbacks because that's a big part of their game is getting those guys forward. And I think Rigi was more of a defensive performance, but. As I said on the last one, he was like a, he's like a little Jack Russell biting at your ankles and just causing problems. Um, and I think he put in a yeah a good shift, and it's like it's just all of these games are just adding minutes, and he's just getting better and better and better. Um, so I, I'm going to give him a seven. I think he actually did a pretty pretty decent game. Carlos, to me, to me, Riggy, he he had a like he had a decent to me like he wasn't that bad. Like some people said that he was like, to me, he had a more like, a, I think like Stephen Hart gave him a role as Chris was talking about roles earlier. I feel like he did what Stephen Hart told him to do, just drive away that left part because he has such a skillful um, feet. The problem is the size. But otherwise, like, I think like he was, he had, he had a tactical game um, against York. He's like, and he was driving crazy, like uh, the left backs a little bit. You know, it's kind of like that when you visit your, your old aunt, you know, and she got that annoying schnauzer that barks you when you knock at the door. Yeah. He, he yeah. just like, get out, get out. Yeah. And he, he keeps barking and barking. He was one of those with the left backs yesterday. And not yesterday, it was on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so that to me like he he performed well like he he had a tactical role and he didn't do that bad you know to me he gets seven pies good chris yeah he got a seven for me too um i like his imagination you know we were talking in the other chat me and james about he might only connect on like one out of every five passes, like those chances that he takes. But that one time out of five is actually going to break the defense. He believes in himself. And, you know, when you when you consider his injury history and, and how few games he's played in the last, I think, three years, they said, you know, you see a guy that's kind of coming into a mode now. And, you know, with every game, I pray for his fitness because I see a guy that eventually, once he clicks – He's oh, going to maybe be, yeah, like he, he's, it's, it's like I said, that imagination. He's got that whimsy and he's also calm. Like Carlos was saying, he was driving, he was stretching their defense for a guy who doesn't naturally play on the left. He was pulling the guys out, trying to cut the ball back in, resetting, and then off the ball, like you were saying, Jack Russell, nipping at your heels. He wasn't trying to put in that like digging tackle yesterday. And I think it's because he didn't want to get that yellow to put himself in a position to get a red. Um, smart player, and and you can see what Didier Drogba saw in a very small dose so far. But mm-hmm. once, like I said, once once he clicks, and, and I pray it's in Halifax, he's going to be a special special player. To Akeem, um, I think Akeem had one of those games where um, he had a very selfless task of trying to be the first line of defense. Um, it, as soon as uh, 
Jay was um, asked to leave the pitch. Um, Akeem had to take on that role of just chasing everything down, and he did it really, really well. He put everything into the game. Um, that goal had the, the the chance in the first half would have been probably one of the goals of the uh, tournament had it gone in because it was uh, the way he took it on the chest was amazing. And then on the flip side, the the header that we, we won't talk about anymore. Um, so I think that he put in a really solid shift. Um, I don't have any complaints. I just think that, you know, he just leads the line so well. He's a really good player. Um, it's a tough one. Six or a seven? Do you know what? I'm in a good mood, so let's go with seven. Seven pies. Carlos? I'll give Akeem seven and a, seven and a half pies. Very hot extra cheese for him. Because you know what, um, he's he's a typical employee that he will be employee of the man in every work. He yeah. does what he has to do and he does extra, and he always does what Stephen Hart tells him to do and he does extra. You know, and he's he's a big trouble. He's a big headache for every defender in every team that we face. He gets always compliments about that. Sometimes, yeah, you got a number nine that it's just like seven feet tall, like you know, it's like Marco Haber, like a big guy you know like all robotic and stuff but like Akeem's different he's just like that kind of striker that is very shifty and and again like that header I don't want to complain about that header because I like more him as a, as a as a winger but like you know a natural nine will probably hit that one but kudos to him like he he had an excellent game seven and a half pies extra cheese yeah. very hard it's definitely a team player uh Chris mm-hmm yeah, the same like with Louie. Um, my rating was more what he was doing off the ball. Uh, I gave him six and a half just because, you know, y- you kind of hope with his record because he does have a pretty decent goal-scoring record that he took one of those chances. So probably shaves him a point, unfortunately. But, you know, I think what's happened, um, injury aside to Ibra, he's taken that position now. Um, I don't think Steven has a choice. He needs to have the line led by either Rakeem or a striker, Ibra, or whoever he wants to risk up there, not Jao. Um, but you know what I'm saying? It, like, it's, 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 it, 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 it looks good. Yeah, you know what I mean? It, it, it just looks good. And, and, and we complained last year, um, you know, Perea was dealing with his injury and, and his fitness stuff. And, you know, Scooby, with all his hard work up front, just wasn't getting the goals. Akeem filled that void. You know, he, he shouldn't have to fill that void this year. That void should already be filled. He should be able to do what he wants to do. But I think that he's shown over the last couple appearances now that he is still Akeem Garcia that we saw last year. He can still make those incredible runs, still frustrate the back line, still frustrate the referees because they don't know whether they have to call a foul or not half the time it's a 50-50 <laughs> ball because the man just has this, like, he's got this weird thing where he, like, reaches ball. And you like just even, knows yeah. to like not, you know what I mean? Like he knows yeah. just to like not quite touch he, the ball. He like shielded he beats you to the ball. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it, he it, for it. for his yeah. height and a, a lot of yeah, and, and like he's got pace, but he's not he's not a blur, right? Like he's he's fast, but he's not the fastest player in the world. A lot of players I think he's just got this too. really natural body strength. Oh, sorry. A lot, a lot of the players that we talked to like last year. Um, well, in the course of this, they've all said the same thing that he's probably like the most trickiest player to play against because he just knows how to use his body properly, and um, that's yeah, yeah. And, um, he's yeah, he's a re- he shields the ball. 
Yeah, he, he, he knows perfect shielding the ball. And uh, I, I think that you know, as we said a couple of times, he's another one of those underappreciated people in the league. Um, so we left the the best slash best till the end. Um, we're gonna, uh, Mister Morelli. Um, what did you think of his his performance, Carlos? Um, he was playing, before the booking. Um, he was playing great. I think he over exaggerated a couple balls that he could have passed it simple, but he didn't. But then he kind of like started like facing, you know, like okay, we go here, we go there. Um, do I have to give him a pie because he didn't even he go? Do we have a rule for giving pies well, to people? You, you have you have to. If a if a player comes on in the seventy fifth minute, you're going to give them pies, right? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, he at least played. This is your this is your rating, Carlos. And if you don't want to give him a pause, I guess yeah, yeah, okay, I guess to. I guess. Sorry, sorry. You know what? Take I take that back. Anthony's right. You you give all <laughs> the ratings you want to give, bro. If yeah. you don't want to give Morelli a rating, I think that's actually fair. I'll give him four pies. Okay. That's uh that's pretty fair in the circumstances, to be honest, Chris. Yeah, I uh mine's a four two. Um, like I was saying, I, I didn't watch the entire game twice like I normally do, but of all the players on the field, I saw Morelli more than any other player because the second time I watched the game, the first 20 minutes, I wanted to see what he was doing. And he was being kind of a little bit of a pest, but I was talking earlier in the show about how the refs weren't really calling things or controlling things. And there were a few times where he was getting clipped in the ankles or had his jersey pulled or found a little bit of space, took a touch, and was getting kind of pushed, and the call wasn't getting made. So I, I saw a guy that was full of energy and really wanted to get involved in the game and, and just couldn't, and that happened. So, um, yeah, four, four and a half. So, Love you, bro, and hope we see you soon. So so for, so for me, I think that he was um, – for somebody who's played in England, he's played in Brazil, he's played in Estonia – I think he was very naive. Like he, he's, yeah. he's like probably like our best player creatively. And obviously Jimmy Brennan gave the, the chair like a, uh, a job to do to, to wind up him and Rampersat. Just get Under, stuck into them. And, understatement. And I think he just fell for the trap and um, he lashed out. And I just think, you know, Joe's a really, he's a really good professional. And I know that it isn't something that he's likely to do, but it's also something got under his skin. And, you know, if you saw what was actually happening with the play, he was running and trying to get into the box because we were actually on the attack and we just conceded a goal. So he's pumped full of adrenaline, like he's full of energy and he just reacted in the wrong sort of way. And unfortunately um, we, we suffered for it, but at the same time though, um, he's still one of our best players and this shit happens. You know, it's, he's only human. It's going to happen. But, um, I think I was, uh, do you know what? Had you asked me after the game on Saturday, I would have been like Carlos and probably said zero pies, but having looked back and like, just trying to, um, I gave him four pies. Come on. Like it just, I, I totally agree what you say. Like he's professional. So, so, he so, had experience. so when I, when I kind of like, in the, the cold light of day when I was thinking about it yesterday I was like you know um, up until that point he was playing pretty well so uh, I'm going to give him four um, so four is all around 
And so our last two, I'm not going to give um, uh, Abu uh, 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 anything because uh, obviously he only came in. Yeah, that's a late one. Yeah. So let's do, um, so so Rigi came off and then our good friend uh, Corey Bent came on. I think Corey gave us such a burst of energy. I, I said like, like Rigi was given a task, I felt, and he did really, really well to stick to it. And um, their offense going through the, the wings wasn't very effective and I think that a lot of that was thanks to, to Rigi but Corey just gives us that little bit extra I think I just think he's got just something about him um, so I, I thought Corey did really well I'll, I'll give him a 7 uh, Chris yeah I'm stingy with my off the bench points so I only gave Corey a 6 but for pretty much the same reasons you said Anthony just that little bit of boost of energy and something for us to look forward to in the next two games I think it's a no brainer that he's got to start the next game and, and I would imagine starts the last game as well. And, and you know, we were just talking about Morelli. Morelli had a little bit of energy that he couldn't really express because he was sent off the field. I kind of felt like Corey made up for the minutes that Morelli missed towards the end of the game. And I, I'm, I'm amped to see him play in these next two games because as much as I think we saw a great example of Corey Bent, I think we're about to see the best of him. So just a modest six but not a bad six. Awesome. Uh, Carlos? I give Corey a seven. Um, I was just like waiting for Corey Ben to get in because I knew that as soon as he gets in, if Marshall wasn't being subbed, we were going to get the best Marshall in the, in the match. And it's just like, it's just two, 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 two pieces that has to be together. Like you, 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 you can't play Marshall on the right. As soon as Corey Ben gets in, I feel like Marshall was relieved that he could go to the left and he started playing better and causing trouble. We got like, if you check the, ma- the match again, we got like three fouls in that part of the area. And it was all like pretty much like Marshall was involved in two of those. So that tells you like, come on, there's something there. Um, seven pies for Corey Bent. Uh, I, I agree. He has to be in the starting eleven along with Marshall. We got two matches left, two finals. We gotta put the best players on the starting eleven. I feel like there's no time to test in players again because we're yeah. against the clock. So this is the time to put them together. Uh, our really great friend uh, of the show and. Jesus, what a cameo. It's like, um, did you ever see that movie um, uh, Apocalypse Now? Robert Duvall mm-hmm. has that like little cameo in it and he actually got nominated for a um, an Oscar for like a, a five-minute clip. Um, I feel like, like... He has like 10 lines and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like that's that's what, what Omar did when he came on. So, um, Carlos, what did you give him? I gave Omar eight pies. He changed because there's not many players that get in such. Oh, how many minutes he played? Twenty minutes or fifteen minutes? Uh, he came like, on, fifteen. Seventy-nine. Well, yeah, ten. Like, yeah, fifteen. Like only like top European players, like you know, like in the fifteen minutes can just like pull off like yeah, a real game changer. Like I, 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 I think that older player probably would need more minutes in fifteen minutes just to pull that show that Omar did. But wow, like he made a big change. Uh, we were a different team with him. Like Corey Ben gave us a 
that stamina that we needed. And Omar was kind of like the cherry on the top, you know what I mean? As Macho Man said, the cream on the top, that was Omar cream, you know, the cream on the top of the crop. Oh, Jesus. I think so. How, how long have so, you been waiting to use that fucking one? Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah, I was saving that one. The, the cream of the crop, you know? Go, go and watch the Macho Man promo, man. So there's any wrestling fans out there. But uh, yeah, he, he, he was just great. And uh, that, that, that free kick, I thought it was Peter Shalagol. I was like, yeah, he scored it. And it was just like he pretended and he, he went just right in. It was just perfect. Um. Eight pies. That guy deserved it. Chris. Eight and a half. My co-man of the match. And I'm not even trying to like overstate it. It wasn't just that free kick, but that free kick was almost like poetry. How everything that led up to that, all the passes he made, the tackles he made, drew a couple, like everything Omar did was perfect leading up to that point. It was, it was, it was like he had to be the guy to take that free kick there's no way this is going in. We're Wanderers fans. This stuff doesn't happen to us. And he just, he hit this ball sweetly. And I know we've been, we've been talking for like nearly an hour and a half. Now. I, I thought he played really, really well when he came on. Like the, 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 as you said, Chris, I think he took um, advantage of that keeper's probably poor position. I, I think if that had been anybody else in goal, we probably wouldn't have scored a goal to be honest. But um, he played really, really well. Come on. And he changed an awful lot of stuff. Um, I, me personally, though, I think a 10 minutes getting man in the match, I think, was a little bit too much, I thought. Um, I think the other people were mm-hmm. a little more deserving. So I'm going to give him seven pies. Um, I, 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 think, I think I gave Peter my man in the match, even though I was kind of criticizing his ball distribution. I think Peter... He did, was, he, 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 uh, to me, like, yeah, he deserved to be, but he didn't score it. And, uh, but apparently, there's people I, that are like... I think about the, 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 the sport, and they, I, I think they, think they scored their man of the match. I think if he had to hit that... Uh, I think if Peter had a head of that, that was probably going over the bar or something like that. So I'm glad he took this head out of the way. So um, it was a great, it was a great win. Uh, oh, a great win! It was a great draw. Like I mean, it felt like a win. Um, and just before I let this go, my second man of the match, my co-man of the match, was John Michael Williams for that celebration. <laughs> oh my god. It was fucking he phenomenal. He literally, like, he booted down that pitch and he got everybody together. Um, so, yeah, so, um, John Michael um, was uh, my co the match. He deserves some poises for that celebration alone. So, um, just want to say thanks to you guys for hanging out again, uh, talking some footy. Thanks again to Humble Pie for sponsoring our pie scale. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna try that mince one you were talking about, Carlos, uh, last week. That's gonna it's be It's so good. It's yeah. so good. You wanna check that one out? It's so good. Because like you know, pies and points, you know, it's a great match. Perfect match. Okay. This episode of the Down the Pub Podcast is brought to you in association with Bootbox Vancouver, suppliers of boot socks. No movement in the boot means no blisters on the foot. Head to bootboxvancouver.com to get yours today. Our Wanderers Games reviews are brought to you thanks to the good folks at Humble Pie. Authentic butterflake pastry filled with local cuts, quality cheese and rich gravy to fill you up on the go or in the comfort of your own home. Head to humblepiekitchen.ca to get yours today. Pies and points, the perfect match. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast. 
recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.